Welcome to the Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast, where I cover current topics in my PTA program and break the information down into bite-sized pieces. I'm your host, Tim Ernie. Let's get ready to learn. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast. Sorry I've been gone for so long. I had a crazy couple of weeks getting married and everything like that, but I'm glad to be back um, covering some topics in our classes so that we can start studying better and knowing the material for the exams and then actually applying it to our clinics rotations we have coming up this next year, which is kind of crazy. So jumping right in, I just want to cover something that is going to change the podcast a little bit. I'm planning on doing a different format from now on. I felt a little scrambled in the other episodes. And so what I'm planning on doing is doing segments called What Is That? And this is where we will be taking a certain topic and really breaking it down and trying to apply it to other things. But um, this can mean studying a diagnosis and really looking at it like multiple sclerosis and like examining that in depth. And then finding out interventions and stuff for it, but really just focusing on that uh topic that particular topic and so we're going to be looking at that kind of the second thing that's different about these episodes is that we'll be doing two segments so the first segment is going to be on our second year material that we're learning right now so for instance this first segment is going to be on borg or the borg the rate of perceived exertion and so that's going to be the first, but the our second segment is actually going to be on our first year material. So we'll be looking at dermatomes later on. And so this way we'll get a little bit of both. We'll be, be kind of re-looking over information we've already learned so we have it fresh in our minds for the board exam. Um, and then we'll also be covering the new material that we're learning so we can get that to stick as well. And we'll do this by using questions. And I'll show you what I mean as we get into this. So like I said, two segments... One on the second year material, one on the first year material. They'll be called, what is that segment? So we'll do those. um, And yeah, let's get to it. This first one we are looking at for the second year material is the Borg rate of perceived exertion. Okay. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to ask a question regarding this, and then we're going to kind of walk through it and answer it. And we'll do that for the dermatomes as well. But right now we are on Borg, the rate of perceived exertion. So here's the question. You are using the Borg rate of perceived exertion to measure the functional outcome of your patient. When asked during the exercise, the patient reports they are an 8 on the Borg RPE. What should you do? All right. So the Borg rate of perceived exertion. What is that? What is the Borg rate of perceived exertion? So, if you guys remember from our recent class, the Borg is a functional outcome measure. Alright? And functional outcome measures are just a way we use, um, a test that we as physical therapists and physical therapist assistants use to assess a patient and kind of see where they're at or where they've come from. So we use these to establish a baseline, find out where that we're at. So right now, 
Um, if you had a patient and they just walked in, you might have them um, look at a Borg rate of perceived exertion chart while they're exercising and have them choose one so you can get a baseline for where they are at. Or you can do it to set goals after you've done it. After you've done the, t- the functional outcome test, um, then you can see where they are at and you're like, okay, maybe we can improve this so that you have less problems. Or, um, so you, you have that. But then also another reason we use these is because they're backed by research. A lot of other clinicians have used these to help patients improve in their life. And so it's something that we can use as well. And so the Borg is a functional outcome measure, right? And it works in this way. It's a scale from 1 to 10, okay? And it uses pictures to show the exertion level, and they have different faces on each picture, and that kind of shows how the person is feeling. And you can relate pretty well to those pictures based on the expression and the amount of sweat pouring down their face, their tongues hanging out sometimes. It's just that's how the patient can identify, and they point to one, and that's the one they get. All right, and this outcome, this functional outcome measure, it measures your cardiovascular endurance. And so one of the ways you can think about this is like, for instance, Kyle in our class probably has fantastic cardiovascular endurance. He uh, does a lot of running and biking um, and triathlons and all that kind of stuff. So he probably has a fantastic Borg score um, constantly. It's probably a one constantly. Whereas I, I probably, even though I am um, skinny, I have the cardiovascular endurance of a severely obese golden retriever. Um, So I think when you think about the Borg, it's a way to measure your, the person's cardiovascular endurance. And some people just have better because they've trained it um, and others don't like me. So, um, like I said, the Borg has 10 levels. Okay. So it goes from one to 10 and we'll walk through each level. So you know what we're dealing with. Okay. So keep that question in mind. Your patient is at an eight. Okay. And they report that they are on an eight. And so the question is, what should you do? You know, where are they at? What should you do? Um, where should you want them to be? All that kind of stuff. So we'll get there. So here we go. Number one is basically at rest. So this is basically they're relaxing. They're not really doing anything. Um, They may be eating a potato chip every 30 seconds, but they're really comfortable. They're in the zone. They're uh, just chilling. Two is they're comfortable and could maintain the pace that they're doing all day long with the exercise that you're having them do. Three is they're still comfortable, but they're breathing a little harder, all right? So three is where it starts to be like, okay, I'm actually needing to require some extra breathing to maintain this pace while still being comfortable. So four, next up, is four. They're sweating a little bit, but they still feel good, and they can carry on a conversation comfortably. So maybe you're taking um, a walk in the park and you're at a brisk pace. It's not too fast for you, but you're walking and you may be sweating a little bit, but you feel good, you know, and you can talk to the person next to you. All right, where it starts shifting is five. Five is you're kind of leaving the comfortable range. You're just above it, but you're sweating more and you can still talk easily, okay? So five isn't too much for you. Um, it's just 
you're you're com- you're leaving that comfortable zone because of maybe a little more sweat, a little more breathing heavy, but you can still talk easily. Six is you can still talk, but you're slightly breathless and definitely sweating. All right, so this is like maybe you on a treadmill starting off the first ten minutes, um, and so. That's number six. Moving on to seven is I can still talk but don't really want to and you're sweating like a pig. So um, you can talk but you're in a state of discomfort so that you don't want to and you're sweating a lot. So you're you're performing pretty highly at this point um, and putting a lot of work in. Number eight is you can grunt in response to the questions but can only keep that pace up for a short period. So that's where... You're kind of leaving that okay stage where you're still all right, you know. Um, it's getting a lot more difficult. The tongue's hanging out in this picture. There's some sweat, and the eyes look a little creepy in the picture they have displayed. Number nine, um, that's you're probably going to die. You feel like you're going to die. All right. You don't know. You're not sure, but you might. Nine is pretty intense. It's way up there. You're pouring sweat breathing super hard, knees bent, hands on the knees, all those things, gasping for air, all right, number 10 is I'm dead, all right, you are dead tired, you cannot do anything more, you're laying on the ground, arms and legs splayed to the side, chest rising and falling like crazy, you are done, so that's the 10 levels of the Borg, functional outcome measure. All right. So now that we know what it is, let's go back to the question. All right. We know the question is you're using the Borg rate of perceived exertion test to measure the functional outcome of your patient. When asked during the exercise, the patient reports, they are an eight on the Borg rate of perceived exertion chart. What should you do? All right. So I didn't give multiple choices because I thought it'd be more interesting for you guys to think of things that you could do. So I want you to think in your own time, what would you do if you are giving this test to a patient and they show you that they are an eight or you can kind of tell they're an eight yourself and you see them at that point? What should you do and where does that indicate they're at? So they're not they're at an eight. Well, if you remember from PTA school, we have three guidelines to work with, all right? Here's our three guidelines. Number one, the patient should work out at around five to six, all right? On the Borg rate of perceived exertion chart, they should be at around a five or six. That is a good range to indicate that they are healthy, that their cardiovascular endurance is healthy, that they're strong. Um, And that's where the exercise should be. When performing an exercise, they should be at around a five or six. You gotta get that blood pumping, but you don't wanna be too much. And if you remember, a five is I'm just above comfortable and I'm sweating a little more, but I can still talk. Six is I can still talk, but I'm slightly breathless and definitely sweating. Okay, so that's that's the range you're looking for. You want them slightly breathless, sweating, but still able to talk. And they can, um, when you get up past, um, 
Well, we'll get on to that in a little bit. So the next guideline we have, the first one is they should work at around a five or six, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but kind of around that five to six range. Two is anything four or less is too easy. All right, so when you are with a patient and they are performing this, um, there should four is I'm sweating a little, but I feel good and I can carry on a conversation comfortably. So you want them a little above this because um, you want their blood pumping a little more, a little more aerobic activity so that you can get them um, to increase their cardiovascular endurance. You don't want them to stay at the same. You want to increase that burden, make it a little harder than comfortable, right? If they're comfortable, then that's not exactly where you want them. You want them above comfortable, a little uncomfortable. Third guideline is anything eight or higher is too hard. Okay, so when looking at that question, we see that our patient reports they are at an eight, which is I can grunt in response to your questions and can only keep this pace for a short, for a short time period. So if that's the case, then they definitely do not have a good enough cardiovascular endurance, depending on the exercise. But if you're doing a routine exercise that most people would be okay with, and they have that, then that's something that you can show as a baseline and something that they can improve upon, right? If they are at an 8, you want to get them down to that 5 or 6 range, right? So you can keep on improving and diversifying those exercises to make them improve their endurance. So... We know their baseline, and we can work at improving their cardiovascular endurance and then measure later down the road to see where they've come. And that's why these tests are important. That's why we need to be learning what these tests are and being able to apply it to our patients um, or the material we're learning, right? So we need to study up. We need to study up on these tests and really pay attention to these things because these will be on the exams and these will be on the board exams for sure. So we will move on to our next segment now. All right, guys. So here we go on the dermatome section. The first year question. Your patient presents with numbness and tingling along the medial side of the right arm and hand. There is numbness in the pinky and the medial side of the arm and hand. What nerve root or nerve level or dermatome is likely affected? So there's the question. This question is really a question that is based on knowledge. You have to know your dermatomes to get this answer correct, right? So what you need to do is study this for your boards. The dermatomes will most likely be on the boards and we need to know them. Not just for the boards, but to be good practitioners and to be able to help our patients. So, like the question said, they have numbness and tingling, common radicular symptom, right? Along the pinky and medial side of the forearm. And this is assuming that the person is in an anatomical position, correct? So you're looking at the medial side of their forearm and hand along the pinky, and they have numbness and tingling. What nerve root is that? Well, you should be thinking C8, because C8 
is the pinky and the medial hand. All right, so C8 is the correct answer. If the patient had numbness and tingling in their thumb, what level would that be? What dermatome? That'd be C6, right? That'd be C6 dermatome. And then C7 is in between those on the posterior side of the arm. Now, let's just run through a few other dermatomes that I think are important to know and that are landmarks that you can go from. So, what dermatome is the line of the nipples? Well, that is T4. T4 is at the nipple line, okay? Now, the belly button line is at T10. The medial side of the great toe is L4. The whole foot is L4, L5, and S1. Remember that? L4, L5, S1. So it just goes down, and that covers the whole foot. Then your clavicles is C5. C5. And you can think about that as the clavicles is just a straight line across. So that dermatome just goes straight across your clavicles. And then right below that is C6. And C6 goes to your thumbs, right? So if you can picture that in your mind, how that would work, C6 would be right beneath C5. And that would go to your thumbs. So so those are the dermatomes. I know it's a short section, but like I said, we're just doing review on the first year material. So hopefully that was helpful. If a patient presents with numbness and tingling in the medial side of the forearm and the hand, you know that that is a C8 dermatome. And that means, so what does it mean when a patient has ridiculous symptoms, numbness and tingling in the hand? Well, it can mean a lot of things, but the two main things that pop up is it's either a compression or an irritation of the nerve root, okay? So that nerve root at the level of C8 is likely being compressed or irritated by something, and that can be um, tight muscles, so that connective tissue, that muscular tissue can get tight and restrictive and then impinge on those nerve roots, or you can have some displacement in the actual vertebrae that causes an impingement or irritation, right? And those nerve roots can get irritated when your muscles rub against it and get irritated or something of the like. So look into it a little bit, do some studying on dermatomes, scratch up on it, and I know it'll come right back to you guys. So that is the end of this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, We'll be doing a shorter format like this from now on. So if you guys have any feedback, feel free to email me, message me. Um, You have my information. So I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you later. Thank you for listening as always. I hope you have gained value from this episode. Assistant to the Physical Therapist podcast was created to help students learn but learning requires work. I hope you tune in next time, but until then, stay tough yet tender, like steak.